R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio Rea audio. Rea audio. Rea audio. Rea audio. 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 Complexity bias is a logical fallacy that leads us to give undue credence to complex concepts. What? It's simply stated, it's saying that when humans are faced with two answers to a problem, we tend to select the more complex because we think the simple answer just won't work. Well, it also seems that many times the more complex we get, the further we get away from common sense. TJ Stevens works on the client side for a nationwide distribution company and is implementing a program designed to put the desires and needs of his employees first. Using common sense and a back-to-basics approach, he's hoping to save time, money, and keep good employees on the job as well. Well, TJ, thanks for uh, joining us on REA Audio. Um, again, because of kind of the way we've reformatted things, I'm really excited to talk to so many people from different parts of the workers' comp industry and folks from outside of the workers' comp industry. And, and we were kind of put together by a, a mutual acquaintance. And uh, I'm super excited to, to learn a little bit more about you and, and how you got into the industry. So thanks for being with us. I'm excited to be here. So TJ, What's your story? How did you get involved in workers' compensation? Uh, so I was lured into it by a recruiter straight out of college. Um, right. Maybe some false promises there, but nonetheless, <laughs> it, it got me to where I am today. So I'm happy about it. I was an adjuster um, at Sedgwick for about three, four years. Uh, and then I got over to the client side um, in a highly desired position and worked my way up there. Um, currently, we're for a large national distribution company. Uh, we get claims in for the most part, all 50 states. Uh, and it's been it's been a really rewarding um, journey for the past three, four years uh, mm-hmm. to where I'm at today. And definitely seen a lot of changes, not just in the industry, but um, with my current job as well. well. You know, I'm glad you say rewarding because we talk to people in the industry and they don't always agree with that as far as the rewarding <laughs> part, right? You said maybe some promises that were made, almost sounds like you talked to an army recruiter, right? Yeah. Uh, you no know, kidding. coming from Sedgwick. But, but tell us a little bit about how that progression's gone. Like, like what was it about being an adjuster that you saw that, that could lead into something that, that was very rewarding? Yeah. So my intentions out of school were actually to go to law school. Um, and so I started on uh, the liability account and liability claims and got promoted over to work comp and through that system over the next few years. And uh, in working with a number of attorneys just through the claims profession, uh, they all gave me the same advice. And that was don't go to law school right now. Right. Uh, it's too expensive. <laughs> there's too many candidates out there. There's, there's too much competition essentially. And uh, you'd have to be really the, the top 5% to make it to where I wanted to be. So right. I decided to, to go the business route. Uh, and for me personally, um, I'm a glass half full type of guy. So I don't tend to fret on the negative things. And I've been told I take feedback pretty well. Uh, so it, it has been rewarding for me. And mm-hmm. I've moved up pretty quickly. And I know I'm young to be in the position I'm in. But uh, I think my mindset has a lot to do with that and my attitude towards uh, the endeavors and issues that I face. What was it that drew you to law? Why did you want to get into that? And do you see any any kind of parallels for what you're doing now? 
Yeah. So if you ask my wife or my family or anyone that knows me, I love to argue and I love to be right. Um, I always wanted to do tax and finance law. So I love money and I love to argue. So that was Uh always my dream. And um, now my dream is the business side of things and and investing. And that kind of checks both of the boxes. Uh, But I think it just comes down to my attitude. And I mean, if you have the right attitude and the right mindset and you're open to feedback and you're open to criticism and willing to grow and trying new things and uh, willing to let new doors open and not being afraid of what you're going to walk into, you can always go back. Um, But I'm just, I like to grow horizontally, not necessarily vertically. And if you grow horizontally, the vertical growth will come. That's my opinion. Oh, that's terrific. And and that kind of leads us into the reason why you being on this show with regards to the way we're kind of directing things now makes a lot of sense, um, yeah. especially with doors possibly opening and closing, right? And, and, and feedback and, and people not always necessarily being as open to new ideas as, as we'd always like them to be. You're working on a program where you are now and you're actually in the process of implementing that has a lot to do with looking at the injured worker and, and embracing the humanity of what it is that we do. Can yeah. you talk about that program? Yeah, so uh, high level, what it, the idea behind it is compassion. Um, remembering that our injured employees are arguments just like you and I and everyone else. They go home to their families and their wives and husbands at the end of the day. Um, they don't want to get hurt. Um, yeah, there's fraud in the industry, but the vast majority of claims are legitimate in some way, shape or form. Uh, so they didn't ask to get hurt. They didn't plan to get hurt. Uh, so the idea behind it is just keeping in mind that they are like you and I, uh, the system, uh, the intention of the system can be black and white uh, or wanting to be black and white at times, but uh, we, we really have to learn to live in that gray area uh, and compassion and the gray area goes hand in hand. So we don't necessarily need to follow that step-by-step process, whatever it is, every time, every company has their own, their own process. Ours is very step-by-step, three, four, five steps. Uh, we're trying to add three steps to before you get there. So warehouse type work, you have an injured employee who it may not be a major injury uh, that just needs to rest for 15 minutes or they need to ice something or just go home for the rest of the day and they'll come back to work the next day. Uh, And that's okay. And you're doing what's right by the employee and you are rewarded in the back end by now maybe you don't have a work comp claim. You don't have a recordable for OSHA purposes. Uh, So that compassion of just understanding what does the employee really need or want here? Um, me personally, if I was to get hurt at work and it was a minor injury, I wouldn't necessarily want to go to the doctor's office um, or go to the emergency room and sit there for a few hours to be seen. Uh, I'd want to go home and take Advil or ice and just put my leg up or rest my shoulder for the night uh, and come back to work the next day or maybe take a few days off and then come back to work. Uh, now, I know certain jurisdictions don't always allow for that. Um, but for the most part, if our leadership team throughout the field can remember to be compassionate Uh, before necessarily just saying, well, hey, you need to do this, this, and this and file a work comp claim and go to the doctor or the emergency room. Uh, Our belief and in my conversations with other risk managers uh, throughout the country in various industries, uh, it's worked for other other large-scale companies and um, national airlines, I won't mention, um, but they've had successes with it. It's interesting that that perspective is coming from somebody that wanted to be an attorney, right? (laughs) Because I think a lot of the reason why things are so black and white is because everything is so legally driven in everything, right? Not just in workers' comp, but really in everything in our country now. Um, So why now? Like, why why is this something that that you're trying to implement now? Uh, 
the, my current employers, I mean, we've grown rapidly in the last four or five years that I've been with them and we will continue to grow over the next four or five years, especially. Um, so it, it's not, we don't want to grow for today. We want to grow for five, 10 years from now um, and get to the point where uh, we don't want a recordable every day. We don't want two, two new work comp claims out of every location every day. We want to understand that, listen, a, pa- a paper cut doesn't need to be a work comp claim. Um, an ankle sprain might just, they might just need to go home for the day. Ice it, um, they'll sleep on it, stretch it, and be back in the morning. It doesn't need to be a five, ten thousand dollar work comp claim in an OSHA recordable. So it, it helps us from a performance standpoint. Um, but at the same time, it, it's also being compassionate to the employee and understanding, like I said, they don't always want to go to the doctor or the emergency room. Sometimes they just need to rest and take the day off or two days off and come back to work and they'll be fine. Mm. Legal protection is so very objective, and this sounds like a very subjective type of yes. program. So, yep. how do you how do you draw the guide rails for this? How do you how do you put rules in place that people have to follow yet allow them to what really sounds to me like like being uh, being just using common sense, right? <laughs> yes. uh, but but how do you how do you how do you in a in a very legalistic um, organization and very legalistic, uh, I guess, business that we're in, how do you build those guide rails to allow people to think for themselves? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't know all the answers to that, to be honest. Um, so we, we, at least I anyways, operate so much on, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission. But this is one of those things where it's a large scale program where we are asking for permission ahead of time. Um, and you're right, from a legal standpoint, there's things that our legal department is stern on that we can't cross those boundaries and we need to know what those are. And we do know what those limits are. Um, but I have a very good relationship with our legal department. I'm very transparent with them, um, I'm more so than I even need to be. And I think having that relationship with them um, allows us to build a relationship between our two teams to be maybe more experimental, uh, to try new ideas out as long as they're within those parameters. Uh, and I don't have the data internally that's, that supports this, but I do have data from other companies that does support it. Uh, and I think that's critical for them to see, to know that this isn't just something that I've pulled out of a hat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoken to other companies that have seen successes with this. And because of that, they're willing to give it a shot. Can you talk a little bit about the specifics of that data? Like, what are you seeing that, that's kind of helping to, to sell your case? Yes. So um, there's a large national airline um, who I've spoken to. Uh, they followed a similar process. Uh, they actually got rid of their their nurse triage program altogether um, and went more so where you're putting more responsibility on their leadership team uh, and also to be more compassionate. Uh, and they saw their reportability rate drop significantly. They saw their total claim count drop significantly. Uh, that first year was their largest drop. And then years after that, it more so plateaued, um, but it dropped off because it, it wasn't just you got injured, you have to make the call, you report the claim. It was you report it to your supervisor, you have a human to human interaction, uh, you live in that gray area, individuals go home. Uh, maybe they just need to stretch or something on site, they just need to ice it, take Advil, whatever it might be. Um, the national airline that I that I got this data from, they also implemented um, on-site therapists, essentially. Um, to help with uh, musculoskeletal injuries where you can get stretched out um, or taught at-home exercises to go home. Where it doesn't make it a claim, it doesn't make it reportable, it's taking that compassion step to a next level. Uh, so there there are different levels to this. Um, they're deep into it a lot further than we are. We're at the beginning. Um, but the idea or the hope is that maybe we can get to that down the road. Are you seeing most of the resistance from the legal department in what you're trying to implement or, or where are <laughs> um, you seeing it? The the resistance is 
from across the board, just the unknown, um, the fact that we've done it the way we're currently doing it for so many years that this is what everyone knows. Um, so the resistance is from the leadership team to legal to HR, um, just in the fact that, well, how do, how do you train tens of thousands of employees to do something differently than they've been doing for so long? So that's the, the hardest issue that we will encounter. Um, and then, of course, the there are legal parameters that, that we can live with it. We don't have issues with those parameters right now from what we're seeing. Um, we haven't seen any big issues or hiccups come up at this point. So I'm sure something will come up that will lead us to take a few steps back and rethink. But as we get to that point, we'll discuss and regroup. And if we need to make adjustments, we will. Uh, but the biggest hurdle is doing it differently than we've been doing for so long. It sounds like such a different idea. So really out of the box from what everybody's used to. So how, how did that first conversation go? And like, who did you approach at what level in your company where you're like, Hey, listen, I got this great idea. Yeah. yeah. And, so and they the first, said, you're, you're going to do what? The first conversation was actually uh, with my team and, and my boss. Um, the, we sat down and had a team meeting and the purpose of the team meeting was to just think outside of the box. How can we, what can we do, do differently or how can we do something differently? Um, without compassion in mind, how can we do anything differently to improve our numbers or improve the experience? Um, and I threw out the idea that uh, compassion is, it's a hot commodity in the industry right now. I know I'm not the only person trying to roll out programs like this or variations of it. Uh, it's talked a lot about at conferences um, and it is hard to implement because it's hard to get buy-in. Um, so I brought it up and from there, it kind of ran up the chain of command and meetings were set up and discussions were had and Everyone loves the idea when they first hear it. No one has ever, no one has said it's a bad idea. Everyone likes it. Like I said, the, the issues are, how do we make it viable? How do we implement it on a large scale uh, with so many employees that would need to be essentially retrained? Mm-hmm. How long has it been in place where you're at? Only a few months at this point. Okay. Yeah. So it will, uh, a few months at this point, the, the idea is that we have a, a framework developed that everyone is agreeable to by the end of this year. Uh, and we can spend 2023 kind of rolling it out, retraining, reteaching, mm-hmm. uh, and really rewiring that mindset that it's not black and white anymore. We, we want to be humans and have compassion for our employees. And the data shows that our employees will be happier and we'll also see a decrease in claim count and recordables. Have you seen, have you uh, launched any pilot yet? We have, we have, nope, we have not launched any pilots. We've identified pilot locations. Um, okay. So that was a big step of how do we do this first? Uh, we can't just go into it full steam. We've got to gather our own data internally. So we've identified pilot locations um, with good leadership teams uh, that have structure, not necessarily not necessarily high turnover um, within the management network. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we can't control our own team member turnover, but uh, within the management network, we wanted a strong leadership team that was going to be in place and had been in place for a while. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm I'm trying to think of from a from a worker's perspective how they would. <coughs> Uh, embrace this I would think and and we kind of talked about this earlier is that you know like as you mentioned it's a small percentage of people that try to take advantage of Mm -hmm. the process right and and for those people I would think this will kind of be a bummer right because because we are going to you are going to use your head and and, and be a little bit more uh, you know, personal with that. I, I can remember, I think I told you when we were talking earlier, <laughs> I worked for a highway department when I was in college and, and we were trimming on the side of the road and I put my hand on a, on a, on a gas trimmer and it, you know, yep. on the exhaust and I just burned the inside mm-hmm. of my, my hand. And truly I could have put ice on it and been back to work in an hour. 
Um, yeah. But I had to go to the walk-in clinic and I had to file all this paperwork. And I was stuck in the in the shop for like a month sweeping the floor because they didn't want to put me back out in the field. And yeah. it, was, yeah. it was awful. Like I'm a college student. I want to go yep. out and work. I don't want to sweep a floor all day. So for me, it was it was terrible. And it made me not want to, if anything had ever happened again, I didn't want yeah. to tell anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I would imagine that those things are happening now that maybe this this will help fix. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's important to remember going in with compassion, just humans. I mean, the individuals that work for us, they applied for the job knowing what they're going to be doing. They didn't take a job they didn't know about. They want to work. They want to get a paycheck. You're going to have those employees that are just trying to beat the system and get out of it. And to be honest, in most states, there's not much you can do to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no point in developing a nationwide program geared toward those individuals because it's such a small subset of what you're dealing with. Uh, and those are case by case in the first place. So the vast majority of employees that get hurt, just like your scenario just went over, they just want to get back to work mm-hmm. and, and they regret filing it half the time because it just mm-hmm. becomes a giant headache for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want the phone calls. They don't want the emails. They don't want to have to go to the doctor's office at 9am. They just want to go back to work. Uh, and sometimes it, you get stuck in no man's land and if we can prevent that altogether and keep everyone happy while abiding by certain jurisdictions, regulations, and laws, it's going to make for a, a much happier experience for both us and the injured employee. So how long has this been in place with that airline that, that you're referencing? Uh, f- from my knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, years. Uh, so Several the individual, years. Yeah. So the individual that I spoke to at this airline is actually retired now. Um, so it, it's been in... I would say at least three years. Um, okay. And, and like I said, they've had really good success with it. Yeah. If it's still in place and they've had success, obviously they haven't seen a whole lot of legal, you know, pushback, uh, yeah. you know? Um, so boy, I hope this is a trend, uh, not only in workers' <laughs> compensation, but just in life in general, you I know. know, just to, uh, yeah. I think about those, those McDonald's lawsuits from years ago oh, where gosh. people spilled hot coffee on their laps. Right. And they ended yep. up with millions of dollars. I think that's, that's what people think in the back of their head when, when they're, you know, chasing, yeah. chasing, chasing the dollars. So, uh, hopefully this, this catches on and, and, and works out for you. It's a great idea. And, uh, I can't Thank wait you. to hear more about, about how it goes. So I got you for a few more minutes, uh, TJ. So you, mm-hmm. you said you were an adjuster for, for some time and, and now in what you're doing, can you share with us your, uh, your favorite either success story in, in your personal experience with workers comp or, or a funny story, something that, uh, that kind of makes you go, <laughs> can't believe that happened. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've got a few funny stories. I don't know if they're all appropriate. Yeah, it's um, a podcast. It's okay. So uh, I had a, uh, when I was an adjuster, I had a claim for another airline, actually, different airline here. Um, it, it was an unfortunate claim. He was an, an airline mechanic repairing an airplane tire that blew up in his face. And mm-hmm. he, he lived, but he lost three of his extremities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was in the hospital for some time. Uh, so he lost uh, one leg and both arms. He was married and had kids at the time. And this claim went on for years and he wasn't the most cooperative claimant and was rather difficult to deal with. Everyone felt awful for him. And I'm sure if I was in that situation, I wouldn't have been easy to deal with either. Um, but when he was in the hospital a few months after the incident occurred, he ended up having an affair with one of the nurses <laughs> while he was in the hospital. Um, his, his wife divorced him and uh, he oh, lost man. relationship with him and his children, but I'll never forget that one. Oh, God. Um, 
and, and then uh, kind of, I'll leave you with that story, but then transitioning into my successes and yeah. what I give credit to is, I mean, hard, honest work. I know a lot of people don't like being an adjuster. Um, an adjuster doesn't have to be the end of the road. Um, there are always other opportunities, not just on the client side, but at various different vendors. Um, if you're an outgoing individual, there's a lot of sales opportunity with some of the smaller regional vendors looking to expand networks. Um, so just be mindful, network, attend conferences, uh, understand who you're talking to and who that person is. Uh, it's a it's a large industry, but it's a very small industry at the same time. And mm-hmm. anyone that's been out there like you and I understands that. Yeah. Uh, no matter where you go, you're going to run into someone who knows someone. So don't be the negative person. Don't be the person bashing someone else because you don't know who you're talking to or who someone is. And yeah, that's a quick way to set yourself back. Yeah. Never burn bridges. That's for sure. Absolutely. That's yeah. for sure. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, they're curious about the progress and, and I'd love to have you come back once you Absolutely. get some more, you know, uh, once things are in place and the pilots in place, I, you know, I'd yeah. love to learn more about how it's going and hopefully others will uh, kind of gravitate to this and, and try to follow suit with, with regards to just really being a human being to other human <laughs> I hope beings. so. <laughs> yeah. How, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, TJ? I would say reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there every day, so I'll respond to messages. Um, if anyone needs whatever, has questions, uh, I'm very open. I attend all the major conferences. Uh, I'll be at WCI, so okay. um, that, that'd be the best way. Right. TJ Stevens, I'll add a link to your profile in the show notes uh, so people can just click on it and reach out to you. But uh, boy, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for your time. (laughs) I appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you around real soon. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening this week to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. Find us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. That's the best place for feedback and show suggestions. Also follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at listentorea.com. If you have a story to tell or know someone who does, please don't be shy. Email Todd at reemployability.com or tell us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. I'd love to chat with you. Have a great rest of your day.